just, just so grateful. It blows my mind. This morning, we are doing number two in the series, the second installment. I should have worded that differently. We are doing the second message in the series called Get Back In. And just trying to bring some remembrance of our purpose. I know we're still in the middle of a pandemic, but you know, when you just take a glimpse in church history and you see the phenomenal things that Christians have accomplished during the plague, some of the greatest art was created, Shakespeare's plays were written, men and women of God stepped forward to provide hospice and hospitality and hospitals for the sick and the ailing and the dying and comforting them and taking the gospel to the bedside of those that were plagued with various kinds of diseases. And they seemed to walk through the fire with a kind of a divine asbestos suit on. It didn't, didn't touch them. It's happened throughout history. And I just want, in the middle of all of the fear that's so pervasive, to try and inject a little bit of faith into your heart, not asking you to do anything contrary to common sense or to be foolish, but to let's get our trust lifted up. Let's get our eyes lifted up. We will look to the hills from whence comes our help, what comes from the Lord. And so this morning, the second installment in this series, Get Back In, is about the church, God's eternal purpose. God had an idea before the foundation of the world, and it was you and me and us together. And centuries, generations, multiple generations of people that are bought by the blood and filled by the Spirit and commissioned to do a work. I shared my frustration last Sunday and I said I felt like a pilot in a plane that's been in a year and a half holding pattern and we can't land the plane and get out and do anything. And, you know, everywhere I go, I've talked to pastors. I had a um, Thursday morning coffee meeting with a pastor in, in lower Manhattan. God's doing great things through his life and ministry there. And uh, just encouraged myself and encouraged him and what the Lord was doing in his life and church and ministry was an encouragement to me. Um, I just want to say that we can't use this as an excuse and say, okay, God, your plans are going to have to be put on hold because, you know, we just, we can't, we can't be the people you've called us to be because we're in a pandemic. How many of you know that's when the light can really shine? I've never in my life seen such a day, and it seems to be getting worse by the, the week and the month, of the polarization and the division uh, among people. It's political, it's economic, it's justice, it's social, it's, it's racial. I mean, it's just wave after wave after wave of things that I believe are designed by the enemy to keep people divided and to keep us pitted against each other. And I, I beg you, I beseech you, therefore, my brethren, by the mercies of God, that you not complain about the division and then contribute to it. So be thoughtful about the words of your mouth. Death and life is in the power of your tongue. Be thoughtful before you hit send on any of your social media platforms. So easy. People that otherwise would never say things to people's faces will get on there and rant. And we just need to be mindful. We, the people of God should be shalom builders. We should be carrying peace. We should be peacemakers. 
Y'all don't shout me down now because I'm, I'm already preaching here. Come on. Thank you, Brad. I, I appreciate it. Give me the amen corner back there. He claps and it sounds like an elephant stomping through the room. I love that strength. Ephesians chapter 3, four verses, verses 8 through 11. This is a, the heart of the theological portion of probably the pinnacle of the New Testament. Theologians refer to Paul's light, rhetoric. the rest of this will be in tongues. I hope you can interpret. The, they refer to Paul's letter to the Ephesians as the Alps or the Rocky Mountain range of the New Testament because he takes us to the lofty heights of what it means to be in Christ. He begins with that thought, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, past tense, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, Ephesians 1, 3. In chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Say those two words, in Christ. That's critically the most important phrase in the Pauline epistles. In Christ. It is a positional reality. It is a truth now that because of what Christ did, I am in a covenantal relationship. He died for me on the cross. He died as me, took my sin and the sins of the world, buried it in the very depth of the grave, took it down to hell, took the keys away from Satan, the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and he arose victorious. Every accusing voice of the law, the good and holy law of God, was nailed to the cross. Jesus buried it. He got up in righteousness, and now because he died so that I could be free from the penalty of sin, but now he lives so that I can walk in the freedom of righteousness in Christ. The most important thing you will ever learn is to learn who you are in Christ. The scripture says, therefore, if any man be, say it, in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. King James says, old things are passed away, all things are become new. <laughs> I just, you just have no idea what I filter, and I just heard that, that old Toby Mac, God is doing a new thing, new thing. I'm a musician, so I, I hear craziness, you know, <clears throat> the bass is thumping. Everybody say, God is doing a new thing. I was chosen, verse 9, to explain to everyone the mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept what? It's in italics. Secret from the beginning. God had an ace up his sleeve. He had a secret. The Greek word is musterion. It literally, the best definition is a sacred secret. Musterion, we get the word mystery. It is something that has been kept a secret. I was blown away as I listened to Abby's project from start to finish, and then it came down to the very last song on the album, Paranoia Purple. Those of you who know the story, Dawn had paranoia and depression and Abby's singing the song from Dawn's perspective. And then at the end of the song, I didn't know it, but Abby had saved a voicemail from Dawn. It said, you're my little star. I hope you're having fun. Love mama. As if she wouldn't know that it was her mom. But it was so cool that Dawn had done that. And Abby saved it. And that comes up as a voice in that song. And I literally had to sit down and weep in New York City because I haven't heard Dawn's voice in almost five years now. And 
Abby kept that a secret, and just all the stuff that she put together, if you listen to it on, I think it's the sixth track, it's called Dawn, it's a little 36-second interlude, Those, she sampled the wind chimes on our back patio, and that's the Marion train horn in the distance. Just created a piece of art, and she kept it a secret, and God did this for generations. And it says in verse 10, God's purpose in all this was to use, everybody say, the church. The church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. God's intention, the scripture says, is that we might show the manifold wisdom of God to principalities and powers. I'm quoting the King James Version. The manifold, the many-sided all of the rich variety of his wisdom to unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. There are, there are ruling spirits. There's, there are territorial dominions in the demonic realm over the delta. We identified these years ago. Poverty is one. And if you've never lived anywhere else or never gone anywhere else, you don't realize it because there, there's so much blessing and opportunity and affluence in other places and it just seems to trickle and struggle here and it's tied to the fact that there's so much ignorance and in the with those two things together they are wrapped up in a spirit of prejudice that is both racial black and white and it's economic rich and poor and it's christian and it's denominational folk don't like somebody else because they're a part of a different group have mercy, Jesus. Help us. And then all of that is run by, I think, the leader. It's the spirit of apathy. Don't care. Don't bother me. This is the way it's always been. It's the way it's always going to be. There ain't nothing we can do about it. Don't waste your time. Don't care. Apathy. A, pathos. You've left your post. Something that has, we are apostate because we are apathetic. We don't care. And so with the ignorance and with the poverty and with the prejudice and with the apathy, God has called a people called the church that would demonstrate to those rulers in the demonic and in the heavenly realms. I'm not talking about the heaven of heavens, but I'm talking about this air around us. And I'm not talking about Frank Peretti, sulfur-breathing dragons. I'm talking about mentalities, the way people think. Okay? Are you with me? So in the face of all of that, the church is supposed to live out and demonstrate the opposite. The manifold wisdom of God in the face of ignorance is that we would be a people who would pursue the knowledge of the glory of the Lord and the honor of God and the love for the things of God. Come on, somebody. We would not be ignorant, but we would be excellent. Now, Jesus loves you anyway. Scripture says he hung on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they agnoeo, agnostic, ignorant. They just don't know. The, the Latin word is ignoramus. Tell that to someone next time they say I'm agnostic. Okay, well, that's the Greek word, agnoeo. You want to know what the Latin word is? Ignoramus. Oh, no, you're calling me an ignoramus? Well, no, that's what you're calling yourself. We are to be a people on fire that demonstrate to the principality of apathy that we can care about what God cares about. Are you hearing me? We, we, can, we can 
lean into the promises of God. And where there is poverty and industry has left, God can give us the ability to prosper in the face of abject poverty so that we can not just build bigger houses and, and buy another car or a boat, nothing wrong with any of that stuff, but so that we can have a heart to be able to bless people and to advance the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody help me. We are to live out and demonstrate the opposite of what the ruling authorities are over this area. The apathy. We're to be on fire for God. Set a fire down in my soul. God, do something new. Do something fresh. Bring revival and start inside my heart, Lord. Prejudice. That means that we've got to be a people that demonstrate love for folk. It doesn't matter. I don't care whether you're red or yellow or black or white or purple or striped green. I don't care. Show up to the house of God and I'm going to throw my arms around you and tell you that the gospel is big enough to fix what's not right in your life. And I'm not going to be condemning or judgmental about it in the process. I'm just going to love you because guess what? That's what God does. He loves every one of you in the mess you're sitting in right now and everybody in the room has got one. Man, it's too quiet. Everybody should have said Amen. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in his rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his, say it, two words in bold, eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. The old covenant nation of Israel was a natural picture of what God intended to do ultimately fulfilled in the church. The Old Testament System of sacrifices became fulfilled in Jesus' one sacrifice. They had the natural, we have the spiritual. They had a natural temple built out of stones. We now, the fulfillment, God's eternal plan, is that we would be fitly framed together and joined together a habitation of God through the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. I'm not looking for a rebuilt temple Herod's temple was the rebuilt temple. If they actually do ever scrape off the dome of the rock over there, off of that mount, and they do rebuild another temple, the glory of the Lord will never fill it because that would be spitting in the face of the finished work of the cross of Jesus. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. This is not the temple of God. This is where the temple of God meets. We are the temple of God. We are the people of God. One thing, and this is a long one, so just bear with me. Read it with me one time. I'm only going to ask you once. Sometimes I say two or three times, but just get it once. But read it like you mean it the first time. Here we go. God's purpose has always been a people made in his image, filled with his spirit, trusting in his promises, influencing by serving. Stop right there. There's a real emphasis on dominion among some groups, and I'm all about it, but we don't rule top-down heavy-handed. Jesus says, you want to be ruler of all, you need to learn to become a servant of all. We influence by serving a people of his presence. Come on, finish with me. A people of his presence and called by his name, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my introduction. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time in your word. I need you more than I've ever needed you before. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Holy Spirit, be the eyes and the ears, be the open heart in your people. Help me today, give me clarity, and I ask you for brevity to speak the oracles of God into the hearts of your people. Bring and inject faith into us, challenge us, change us, correct us. Lord, edify, strengthen, encourage all that 
needs to be done individually in the hearts of these people. Tailor make the word for the individual needs that are sitting here and those that are watching online. We will be careful to give you all the praise, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in your name we pray and everybody said. God's purpose has always been a people made in his image, filled with his spirit, trusting in his promises, influencing by serving a people of his presence and called by his name, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Three points. Number one, hidden mysteries revealed. God's sacred secret, his musterion. Paul says it in Ephesians 3. He turns around and he gives it to us in Colossians. These are sister epistles. In Ephesians, he talks about the church, the body of Christ. In Colossians, he talks about Jesus, the head of the body, the church, and how those two things relate, okay? In Colossians chapter 1, he says in verse 26, this message was kept secret for centuries, there it is again, and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Say it with me. The words are emboldened. Here we go. Christ lives in you. The King James says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Now at face value, one would think that this is a contradiction of what Isaiah said. That I am holy and I will share my glory, I will not share my glory with another. I believe that totally is the word of God, and I believe the reason this is not a contradiction is because I'm not another, I'm not an alien, I'm not a foreigner to the covenant of God, I am of himself, I am bone of his bone, and I am flesh of his flesh. When I say I, I'm talking about we, you are a part of the body of Christ, not a second class citizen, you were born from above, born again, you have the DNA of Jesus stamped into you, what's in him that cannot die is in you, and it cannot die in you either. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord some praise. All flesh is grass. and It talks about the flower of grass and it fades away, but the word of God stands forever. The word of God is what you were birthed in. What was it? This is not in my notes, but I'm thinking of 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. What you were born, reborn, what you were born again, what you were born from above with is the spoken living word of God. That's who brought you into being. Come on, somebody, put your hands together and give him praise. Christ lives in you. And it's interesting, in the original, it's not in you singularly. It's in and among you all. Christ. There's something that I can touch the presence of God. I walk with the presence of God. I'm a container. I'm a vessel of the presence of God. It flows out of me and through me. But I can experience his manifest presence, capital P, in a way by myself. But it doesn't touch what happens when I get with you. There's a special presence of Jesus that, 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 that sits down. The scripture says in, in Psalm 22, verse 3, but thou art holy, O Lord, who inhabits the praises of Israel. And we, the church, are spiritual Israel. We're the people of God. It literally means to sit down, to marry, to join. The presence of God comes and sits down. He joins himself into and with you as you lift up his praises. Something happens, the anointing, the corporate anointing of the Christ begins to move in this building. 
It begins to stir and, and, and God brings encouragement. He injects faith into you and you catch fresh vision and a new wind of the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden you came in and were weak and didn't even want to go, go come to church this morning. But you get in worship and you hear a little bit of the word and you leave charged up and ready. Ready to take on hell with a water pistol, baby. Come on. Christ lives in you. The, this gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. You are not another. You're of himself. And with that, every one of these, I have a get back in, simple principle, get back in. Live out your identity in Christ. You are in Christ and Christ lives in you. You, you and the Lord are a majority. You don't need a consensus. You don't need to, 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 to have a poll. You don't need to recognize uh, anything like that at all. You just need to have a word from God. And with every word, there's a resurrection power that is in it. And you follow that word in the wisdom of God. And when you do that, whatever God tells you to do, he's going to provide so that you can do that. Somebody. I want you to hear something. And this... It's going to make you think. Before you say amen, just let it, let it simmer. The church is the ongoing incarnation of Christ in the earth. Jesus was contained by one physical body. But when he was resurrected and he ascended, the scripture says in Ephesians, he who descended and gave gifts to men and ascended, the one loaf broke himself into five loaves and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he poured out his Holy Spirit now in a body. And the body of Christ is the representation of Christ in the earth. If we spend all of our time mad and angry and in the political party spirit or frustrated at somebody else who has a little different belief system than we do. And I'm going to tell you something. My goodness, please be open. My, what I believe has changed over the years. It has evolved. It's a popular thing to talk about deconstruction these days. And I've gone back to the word so many times in my 40 years of ministry and deconstructed and torn down what I believed because it was just part of an American uh, kind of churchianity and it wasn't really part of the Bible idea of what real Christianity is. And I've had to shed myself of that stuff. It's a beautiful place to be in where you go back to the word and you say, God, I'm open. Teach me. Show me. Holy Spirit, reveal. You are the teacher. It's amazing how things that were secrets, that were hidden, that were mysterions, that were sacred secrets, he will open the word and begin to speak to you through his word. Does anybody believe that this morning? The church, the body of Christ, it's the ongoing incarnation of Christ in the earth. Not me. I'm not Christ. But together we are the body of Christ. You can say, man, it's okay. There's nothing heretical about that. Just as the head is anointed, who is the head? What's his name? Jesus. Just as the head is anointed, so is the body. Psalm 133 says, how beautiful, how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's like the dew that de descends upon the mountains, Mount Hermon. It's an old, old world name, old Bible name for Zion. And he says it's like the anointing oil that's poured over the head of the high priest and it flows down through his garments, down to the very skirts of his robes. In other words, the same oil that poured on Jesus' head of the body is also on you. You've got the same oil. That oil is the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. 1 John four seventeen says, as he is, so are we in this world. Didn't say so am I. 
Because that's not it. It's a corporate we. As he is, so are we. We together are the body of Christ. Well, some of you say, I just don't know if I can really grab that. Point number two. After I show you the word, then you can grab it. You can say amen. Here we go. Point number two. The church, the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Verses 12 and 13, look at this. For just as the body is one, now he's talking about the physical body. He's relating the systems, the structures, our skeletal system, our circulatory system, a, bl- a heart pump, a blood pump at the middle of it, our digestive system, our endocrine, our respiratory, on and on and on and on. All these multiple nervous systems, the skin, all of this stuff all works together. When it's functioning, when health is there and life is vibrant, When I'm eating right and I'm exercising and I'm drinking enough water and I'm hydrating and I'm taking vitamins and I'm getting some vitamins D and I'm in the sun and I'm I'm outside and breathing fresh air, all the systems are all functioning and firing properly and there's a synergy that starts to work. In the same way that happens with your natural body, Paul is saying this is the thing that's happening in the spiritual body. When everybody's in the right place... Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body. Here it is right here. It's in bold. Say it with me. So it is with Christ. Okay? So Christ is not just one body anymore. It's not just Jesus' physical body. Christ is a many-membered body now. There it is. What I've been telling you. He lives in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But now he says, even as your natural body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. The King James says, so also is Christ. Christ is a many-membered man now. It's red and yellow, black and white. It's rich and poor. It's educated and uneducated. It's first world and second world and third world countries. It's old and it's young and it's middle age and it's all the above and it's vaccin- vaccinated and unvaccinated and it's maskers and anti-maskers. Come on. We, we, we are the people of God. Let's don't be caught up in secondary things. Let's don't be angry all the time. Let's be people of peace and shalom. Christ is the head of the body of the church. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. I gotta, I'm going to go old school here and actually... Look here, I've got a, I got a holy Bible. I got pages. Wow. Man, some of you really think the Holy Ghost is going to move now because I pulled out this. And you've got to remember, it's just been 500 years we've been doing it this way before we rolled out scrolls. Can you imagine how folk got mad when the scrolls left and this showed up? And now folk are upset. They think, well, you're not really preaching if I use an electronic device and I've got 66 books in there and 2,000 other books in there. Is that amazing? Listen to this. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye. My goodness, that's a Stephen King horror book right there. One big eyeball. It's always a hoot to me how folk always gravitate toward their, their gifting. You know, you have a prophetic conference and it's all prophets there. That's like a bucket of eyeballs. And if you get a bunch of prophets together, you, you need somebody there that's got some mercy gifts because those prophets will kill you with the sword. <laughs> the ministry people know what I'm talking about. We need, a, we need everybody. We need each other. 
that the ear can't say to the eye, the eye can't say, you know, here it's just so beautiful. The whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. King James says it this way, God sets the members in particular in the body as it pleases him. See, let me tell you something. This is how we teach this at Victory. You don't join us. You recognize where God has joined you, and then you just stand up and confess that. You know, really, when, when you get saved, it's just recognizing vocally what the Holy Spirit has already done as a work in your heart. Are you hearing me? You don't get saved the minute you stand up and prof- make the profession of faith before people. That's a work that's already happening in the Holy Spirit in your heart. And you just stand up and vocalize it. You, you become a witness to it. You attest to the fact, hey, my life is changing now because Jesus is doing something inside of me. Come on, somebody. And when we receive new members into victory, it's not that moment that you're joined. It's just that's the moment we recognize the Spirit of God's already done a work of joining you to this vision. And guess what? When you live out of that perspective, you can't get mad one Sunday because I say something you disagree with and unjoined because I'm not the one that joined you. You're not the one that joined you. God joined you to the vision here. There, there is such a pathetically light view of covenantal relationships in the, in the earth today. It just blows my mind. You don't jump out of your marriage just because she burnt the toast one morning. Now, some of you might think about it, but you don't do it. There are alternative thoughts you had. Somebody asked Ruth Bell Graham one time if she ever thought about divorce. She said, oh, absolutely not. I thought about murder, though. Can we just be real? If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head. Who's the head? Jesus is the head. The head can't say to the feet. The feet are the part of the body that are alive walking the earth today. He said in Isaiah, he would make the place of his feet glorious. I believe every one of us are called to redeem our space. Some of you need to go home and clean up your house. It ain't glorious. Roll roll the hose up. You're asking God to give you a new car and you ain't washed the one that you're driving in the last six months. Come on, why would he do that? I remember when my son had a rubber basketball. Oh, I'm so off. I'm not even in my notes, but this is just as a Holy Ghost. And he would, Dad, I want a leather basketball. And this was way back. He's 33 now. This was way back 20-something years ago. And a leather basketball back then was about 70 bucks. And he had a pretty good rubber $25 basketball. It's out in the yard. It's sun shining. It's being bleached. The colors are lightening up. It's raining on it all the time. And I said, I ain't seen you pick that rubber one up here in a while. And it's not brought in the house. Why would I invest more money in? Because it's going to end up the same way. Redeem your space. Make, make the place of his feet glorious. Come on. Some of you need to cut your grass. Glory to God. I truly have nobody in mind. I'm just, it's just off the top of my head. If, you're, if your weeds are a little tall, please don't hear that the wrong way. You know, I, sometimes I don't always think these things through. And then when I get home and I, I go, Monday, Monday is outrageous for me. I go, oh, Jesus, why did I say it that way? preacher sitting here with you. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, y'all still love me this morning? All right. The head can't say to the feet, I have no need of you. We, 
We serve a God who does not need anything or anybody, but he's chosen to set this up that we would cooperate with him, that he would provide for every need, but that we would be the instrument to pray and seek his face to bring that need to pass. That, that we would be the people that would take action, that would love the people of the world. Anybody, are you hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? Get back in, get back in your place. Find out where God has set you. Are you functioning in your gifts? First of all, live out your identity. Be who you are in Christ. Know who you are. Walk in confidence with that. Because when you sin, you've had a momentary lapse of memory of who you are. You've had a spiritual amnesia moment where you've forgotten that you're in Christ and you've started living out who you used to be instead of who you are right now. And everybody ought to be shouting that down right there. That's good stuff. You are not the same old person with a second chance. You are a whole new creation with the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Christ lives in you. This is the assurance of your sharing in his future glory. I love that. Point number three, and I'm finished. I hope you've gotten something out of this this morning. God's purpose and our priority. God's purpose has always been a people made in his image, filled with his spirit, trusting in his promises, influencing by serving a people of his presence and called by his name, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's purpose and our priority is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. I'm using the King James this time because I just like how it sounds. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Don't let it go. Hang on to it. Hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. How many of you know when you're not faithful, God still is? And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. That's how you're supposed to provoke people. It isn't your ranting on social media. It isn't your opinion. We're to be provoking folk to love people that are not lovely. We're to be provoking folk to good works that will advance the kingdom of God. We're to be provoking folk that will reach out to the down and out and the helpless and the hopeless and the lost that will show them the way. He says, finally, in verse 25, he says, not forsaking, what is it? Everybody say assembling. There it is right there. The assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I am not a mechanical person. All you manly men in here that can put together your 5,000 part grill in 20 minutes, you, you're the man. Praise God for you. And you know what? I'm not going to be ashamed of paying Lowe's $25 to put mine together and deliver it to me that way. I'm sorry. It's just, that's not my thing. My daddy was brilliantly mechanical. He would take engines apart and put them back together. I remember we had a dryer on our house in Carlisle that quit working and he came over and he took the whole thing apart and he put it back together and didn't even buy a new part for it. And he, at the finish, at the part, at the finish of it, he, he got it back in place. He plugged it back up, turned the on button and he says, here, and he's got his fist like this and I put my hand out and there's probably 25 screws went into my hand. I said, what's the, what is this? What, what, what? Because, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a nerd. I'm, I'm, I'm not a good mechanical person. He said, oh, you didn't need that anyway. <laughs> all that dryer ran five more years. And it, by the time we finished with it, it was probably close, I don't know, 15 years old or so. And this is, you know, I, my, my parents had appliances that I'm sure were, were built at the, 
at the birth of Christ. You know, they've lasted forever. Not anymore. But anyway, so we got a good amount out of it. And he said, no, you didn't need that anyway. I'm not mechanical. I don't, I don't like. I don't enjoy it. The bane of my existence as a young father was Christmas Eve. And the whole family's in the bed getting sleep where humans ought to be. And I'm the dad. It's the man thing to do. Because Dawn was in the kitchen cooking all the good food that we were going to just gluttonize ourselves over the next day. So you're the man. Do the man thing. I brought you that screwdriver and that cool stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't, I'm not impressed with that, honey. Put, put those toys. You know what? It just, I would, I would pull it out of the box and I would just cringe when I would see the words, some assembly required. I just want to cuss. Now, y'all, don't be a literalist, okay? I don't mean literally cuss. I'm just talking about fussing, okay? It's in the South. When we say that, I looked at somebody the other day, and I said, Drew was nearly in a cuss, and they were big-eyed because they're churchy people, you know? And I said, I don't mean literally. I just meant he was fussing, you know? I would have to put that stuff together. I, I bought my grandson, Henry, going this next week to Fort Worth. It's his second birthday. And for his first birthday party last year, I bought him, I got it on Amazon. It was a cool, a Ford F-150 Raptor. And push the little middle center button of the steering wheel and it honks and you push it the second time and that thing cranks up like a great big old diesel truck. And, and it, I mean, it sounds like something with pipes and Henry would just, just glow when he would hear the, that starting sound. So 10 o'clock, birthday party's the next day. And I told Drew, I said, you know what? We can probably knock this out in about 30 minutes. This is 10 o'clock. 1.15 in the morning. Because we put stuff together and then realized that it wasn't right. And so he's standing over there reading the directions, and I'm trying to interpret. He's speaking in tongues, and I'm trying to interpret those tongues. Remember, I'm not talking literally now, okay? We're just, I'm, try, I'm trying to, to discern all this stuff. And we finally got it together and we got it right and everything was working and it was just amazing. And it's so cool because there's a handle on the dad, on the car, on the back so that Drew can push him around the neighborhood. And as he grows, the floor of it will come out and he can push it with his feet. He can do a Fred Flintstone thing. So, you know, it was a really cool little thing. But I hated to assemble it. Now, what's my point? I can, I can go buy a serious road bike. Matter of fact, I'm about to put a couple of bucks down for a serious one. I, I've ridden a hybrid for three years now, and I've lost 100 and, almost 120 pounds. And my, one of my personal rewards to myself is that when I reach my college weight of 225, and I've got about 18 pounds to go to get there, that I'm going to buy myself a serious road bike because I did a 42-mile ride this last week and doing it on a hybrid with my big old body sitting up here on these straight bars and, it, and I'm pushing as hard as I can trying to get a 15-mile-an-hour average when now I've gotten this out of the way and I can actually get in this position on a real road bike and do 25 miles an hour. And so I'm going to spend some, some money. I've been saving my money and I'm going to get me a... And I'm not talking about a Walmart road bike. I'm talking about a real road bike. I'm talking about a chunk of change. And I can go buy that and I can dump out the parts right here on the platform and they can be assembled together, but there's a frame and there's a seat and there's a drop handlebar and there are the disc brakes and there's the sprockets and here are the pedals and all this kind of stuff. 
It's assembled, but it's not assembled. This, this word here doesn't just mean come to the building and show up together and look at the back of somebody's head. It means find your place and your function and get assembled together so that you're operating like a well-oiled machine. And this, this is my last thing this morning I want you to see. Are you getting anything out of this today? Go ahead and put that up. God is calling us to get back into a spirit of unity. And you see this word right here. This is such a powerful thing. We, we can't create unity, but we can only guard it. We endeavor to keep the spirit of unity in the bond of peace, Ephesians 4. Psalm 133 says, how pleasant, how beautiful it is when brothers, that's not gender specific, it just means the people of God. When the people of God, brothers and sisters, dwell together in unity, it's like that dew that comes from Mount Hermon. It's like the oil that's poured on the priest and runs down to the skirts of his garments. There the Lord commands the blessing, even life forevermore. When we get in unity, God shows up and shows out in the miraculous. And I want you to see these two words because they both have the same letters. There's a U and there's a U. There's an N and there's an N. There's an I and there's an I. There's a T and there's a T and there's an E and there's an E. But the two words mean opposite. That unite means to come together. Untie means to pull apart. And I don't know if you recognize this, but the only difference in the two is the placement of the eye. Where am I in relation to the purpose of God? Where am I in what God has revealed that I'm called to do? My gift, my function. Get back in. Get back in, not just show up on Sunday, but get back into a team. Help us serve. Get back into your generosity. Give. We, we don't pull for any money. There are churches in this city that will come to your house and make you sign a pledge card on how much you're going to give for next year's budget. We've been in this ministry 32 years, and we've never done that one time, and we're not going to do that. We do it by faith, and all I've ever asked you to do is just pray and ask the Lord what he would have you to give. So if you're not giving, give. If you're not coming and you're watching online, if you're in an immunocompromised position, stay home. But if you, and I just want to say this, I'm going to say this is with grace, but I want you to hear me, those of you that are watching online. If you're a part of this church and you're just not here just because you've gotten out of the habit and forgive me, but just a little bit lazy, and it's just easier to sit there and watch it on Sunday morning in your jammies, get up. Get up. Come on. Come on. We got some, we got to work. We got a job to do. Get up. And if you're here and you're showing up, get back in, get on the team. Now don't shout me down. That's okay. That's okay. I'm not, I'm not, that's okay. That's okay. You don't have to. This is the word of the Lord. Get assembled. Get where you're set. Get where God has put you in a place to function. You've got a gift that the body needs. Some of your encouragers, we need you to stand up and be cheerleaders. We need your faith. We need your exhortation to stir us. I, I'm just so excited. We're going to lose her in just a few weeks, but we've just gained... Colby and John, and I'm so excited. Just the the, the anointing, and 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 Sydney will be back in and 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 out, but she's not going to be with us every Sunday. She's 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 going to the National Guard. Going to let the government pay for her education, honey. That's a smart thing to do. I know your mom and dad said thank you, Jesus. Get in the spirit of unity. Unite. Don't untie. It's all about where I am, where the placement of the I is. God's purpose has always been a people made in his image, filled with his spirit, 
trusting in his promises, influencing by serving a people of his presence and called by his name, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you get anything out of that this morning? Lights, lights are going down, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. If there was anything in this message today that resonated with you of moving out of fear and into faith. Abby wrote a song on this album called How Many Years, and it's the Lord singing the song. He's, she's writing this as if the Lord were singing to her, I don't want you to live in the in the limitation of your fear, but I want you to live on the other side of the borderline. I want you to live in the wonder of it all. Past the borderline. Some of us in this room and some of you online have been so gripped with all of the fear-mongering that's going on on a 24-hour news cycle that you literally are in a place of the scripture where it says dismayed. You're immobilized. Fear not, be not dismayed, says the Lord, for I am with you, I am thy God. Arise, get up. Somebody needs to be strengthened and stirred to do that. Somebody in this room, someone online, you've never crossed the line of faith and asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior and the Lord of your life. And you know what? You don't work for that. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. None of us do. But you very simply reach out in faith and say, Jesus, save me. I trust you. And you lean into him because he gives the free gift of eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Nobody looking around, heads bowed, eyes closed right now. If that's you in any of those areas of need, if anything's resonated with you this morning in this message, or if you would say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to trust Jesus as my Savior. Any of those things, slip your hand up. I want to pray for you right now. Anybody in this room? Hallelujah. Thank you. Anyone? All right, that's fine. Father, bless us as we consider the words of this message. Help us to get back in, to remember who we are in Christ, to live out our identity. Lord, to, to serve and to give and to love where you've called us to do all those things. Thank you that we are the people of God. It's all because of Jesus, because of your glory, because of your presence. Thank you today that you love us and you've forgiven us. Let us live in the abundance of our lives because of that forgiveness and goodness. It's in your name we pray and everybody said. Put your hands together and give the Lord.